0: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today.
0: This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Peter, and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi there, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with
2: another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, we're talking the real economic power of leisure travel, as well as the power of travel and leisure, and the hot tickets to luxury travel for 2021. First, we'll discuss in real dollars and cents terms what's really going on in air travel with aviation business expert Michael Boyd. As travel comes roaring back, with leisure travel leading the way, what are the indicators that suggest confidence is returned, and actually what worries him as well? Then we'll celebrate the 50th anniversary of the magazine that chronicled it all for the last half century, Travel and Leisure, with its editor, Jackie Gifford. And finally, a report from the luxury travel front, with legendary adventurer Jeffrey Kent, the founder of Abercrombie & Kent. First up, airline battlefield economics, with Michael Boyd.
1: If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx you know. Frontier
2: Airlines last week announced 21 new routes from Atlanta, Las Vegas and DFW alone. They've also announced a huge number of international routes. Uh, Spirit's doing it, um, Allegiance doing it, Southwest, which you and I both know in a given year prior to the pandemic might have added one new route a year, has added, you know, a, a couple of dozen. Um, and, and, and they are on the verge of becoming the predominant carrier in, uh, in Hawaii. So run through this for me, Mike. What does this mean?
3: Well, let's put it this way. This is all Driven by leisure dollars in the economy. And it's not just them. We saw carriers like American Airlines open up Dayton to Orlando. They, they don't have a hub at either end. They're going after leisure traffic too. United Airlines, which has been very aggressive of going into a lot of leisure markets into and out of Orlando that have no hub connections at all. They're after leisure traffic. Now keep in mind, this is, you know, th- these are airlines that are looking to plumb new revenue. And Keep in mind, too, that they, as fast as they go in, they can pull out of these things. We hear a lot of press when Frontier Airlines add service out of Miami. We don't hear a lot of press when they drop those routes. So it goes up and down, and these airlines have stayed alive because they're flexible. If it doesn't work, they'll leave. And that's my concern right now is the amount of leisure dollars in the economy and what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. Tell me more. Well, one of the things we see uh, this last week, uh, Spirit Airlines, Uh, They cut about 15% of what they had scheduled for September and in October uh, in terms of the capacity. So they're very, very careful. They're not cutting flights, but they're cutting what growth was going to be there. So we think right now, all these carriers are going to be looking at what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. And a lot of that leisure traffic, and again, airlines are chasing leisure traffic because there's leisure dollars in the economy. What happens when inflation takes those leisure dollars out? And that's already starting. And the, the example I've used
2: now for the last two months, so forgive me to my audience if I bring it up again, because I find it quite hilarious, is Bozeman, Montana. Uh, because every airline that I know of, other than Boyd Airlines and Greenberg Airlines, has announced service to Bozeman. So you're talking about 200,000 seats a month into a market that might not even have 200 hotel rooms. Uh, how do you see that you know, leveling out?
3: Well, they, they have Big Sky there, and they have a road system that goes through there. And in interest of full disclosure, Bozeman's been one of our air service development clients. And in the interest of full disclosure, it's happening all around the country. A lot of these expansion markets, you know, aren't due to somebody locally chasing after it. I mean, it's a phone, phone rings, and suddenly Colorado Springs is a big market of ours. And a year ago, Southwest said, we're not coming. And now they have 13 flights a day and they're like an 80% load factor. Bozeman's been the same thing. We're just, the phone rings and an airline's coming in. Airlines are making these decisions based upon what they see right now in regard to discretionary dollars. When that changes, that could go down a little bit. We're excited about Bozeman and all of Montana. But the question is, will that maintain as more inflation comes into the economy? And again, people go back to school in the fall. We'll watch that. But it's a very interesting thing.
2: And of course, the elephant in the room, business travel. Um, You know, I keep thinking, and I know you're going to laugh at this, Mike, but I got to say it. I keep thinking that all you need is one Fortune 500 corporation sales team saying, all right, enough is enough. We're going to get back out on the road and physically in person meet our clients.
3: And their competitors do not want to be at a disadvantage. And they're going to do the same thing. I think there's a lot to that. There's no question. It's like that old United Airlines ad about 20 years ago where a guy gets up and, Gets his team together and gives them all tickets to go visit their people oh that's fine and dandy i maintain the majority probably over 50 percent of what we're expecting to come back is already back because yeah it's great to go visit someone but keep in mind a lot of these meetings and you've been through it and i've been through it we can accomplish by by virtual meetings and that's very effective and i think a lot of that is gone forever i've said this before a lot of short-haul business traffic is dead because air transportation for short-haul business traffic is massively inefficient. I've said it before, it gets to be 40,000 people in Hartford, New York. Dude, there's nobody because it's inefficient to wait for an airplane for a two-hour meeting in Manhattan when we can do it this way. But yeah, I, I agree. Some of it's going to come back, but it's not going to come back simply because we want to you know, belly up to people. It's going to come back because we have to be in physical proximity with someone. And there's a, less, a lot less of that than we used to have 20 years ago.
2: Well, you know, I, I grew up in a time when when uh, you know, everything was de- it was basically decided by who filled up the front of the cabin, business travelers, and that dictated where airlines went. In many cases, there were some exceptions, and you know everything in the back of the plane was incremental revenue. That business model has been thrown out on its on its head, and now they're filling up coach, and and, and first and business class. Assuming there even is first class anymore, um, is relatively empty in terms of revenue. So does that mean the business model has changed forever?
3: No, I think, well, number one, you know, this bit about, well, airlines don't have first class, they have business, business class. It's the same thing. They just, it's the name game. What you have is business class today was what first class was five years ago. What you have now is premium economy was what business class was in the 1980s. So it's really a name game, what they're calling the cabin. So, and that's another item here that prior to the COVID situation, I was told by a number of carriers is this premium economy product, which is really, business class 1985, wildly profitable. So I think both domestically and internationally, it hasn't changed that much. But what's happened, as I just said, in many applications, the need to physically go to talk to somebody has been eliminated by virtual meetings and also eliminated by the fact we have a lot more information uh, exchanged via the internet. So I, I, I understand what a lot of airlines are saying, that we're looking forward to getting that business travel back Um, this process started long before the the COVID situation, where other modes of of communication were taking away some of the business travel.
2: Well, let me ask the big bad question then. And that is, when it doesn't come back, what happens to the airlines? Can they pivot quickly enough to change their business model?
3: Well, I, I think right now, the business model right now, airplanes are full. And I think the business model right now is Frankly, they're going to have to adjust it as the economy adjusts. And let's face it, I, I'm amazed by the airline industry over the last year. Where have you ever seen it? any industry where in one month their, their, their sales went from gangbusters to almost nothing? That happened a year ago, March, and they survived. So I think they can get through this. But there's this argument that we have to have a lot more business travel is there but I, I maintain a lot of it isn't going to come back and they're just going to have to adjust their, their revenue streams accordingly. And how are they going to do that? Well, number one, you, you, they're, they're adjusting their capacity very aggressively as we look forward. About oh, 10 weeks out, you see what they filed will be adjusted one way or the other. But I think the, the real unknown is what's going to happen with leisure traffic, which today is gangbusters. Um, and again, this reduction in business travel is not like it's all going away but probably about 20% of what was there prior to COVID isn't coming back, but they were going to lose that anyway. They just lost it a lot quicker.
2: Oh, boy. Well, then what happens to airfares? That's the big bad question.
3: Oh, uh, stand by for news. Uh, the, the USS, uh, the, frankly, it's a torpedo. Yeah, The U- USS inflation has already been launched. as on a war patrol right now because we're going to have inflation. That's going to be a problem. Fuel is another thing. Fuel last week reached basically the level, level it was prior to prior to COVID, about a buck ninety a gallon, and it's going up. And we have fuel shortages, at least deliveries. So that's going to go up. All that adds up to higher fares. There's going to be no doubt about it. Airlines are going to have to adjust to higher fares, and very likely fewer discretionary dollars out there. But never has the industry been in as good a position, management-wise, to adjust to it. And that's because? That's because, number one, we don't have any squirrels in the business. Number two, we're run by business people. And number three, flexibility is everything.
2: I mentioned Bozeman before. And there are some other secondary and tertiary city airports that I love um, that you know, never really got a fair shake, at least the way I looked at it, before the pandemic. And now people are taking a second look as population starts to shift, uh, workforce starts to shift, and and business starts to shift in many cases. I mean, when you think about 40% of the American public surveyed saying that during the pandemic, they were actively considering not only just leaving their job, but leaving their location and moving to another, another location. And- Where are they looking for? That might might actually apply to you in Bozeman. Where are they looking for? A place where the social distancing is baked into the deal, where they can breathe, where the cost of living is lower, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they may even do a, a job change in the process. But I'm looking at some airports like Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm looking at airports like Syracuse, New York. I'm looking at airports like Islip out in Long Island, which is one of my favorite airports that I don't think gets a fair shake at all because you have a population base in Long Island of about 3 million people who would really want to do everything in their power not to fly out of LaGuardia or Kennedy if they could. So what's happening with those airports?
3: Well, those airports like, like Islip has always been kind of like on the edge. Right now, Islip is, you know, that's a standalone market now. It's not another access point in New York. You know, no one flies into Islip, hops on the LIE, and four hours later in traffic gets to Manhattan. That just doesn't happen. Um, I think you, you're looking at those things, but let me give you a statistic. Our five-year forecast through 2025, regionally, we show the Rocky Mountain region to grow 30% over 2019. We show the mid-Atlantic states to drop by about 2.5%. Why? People are moving to where, as you just pointed out, we have a better quality of life. And because of that, you know, I mean, listen, there's a diaspora running off to Boise, Idaho. You can't buy a house in Boise today, by the way. There's none available because people want to live in those kind of places. But it's the same thing you mentioned. Madison, Wisconsin, well, you know, that's a major city, if you will, but it's a very nice place to live. But watch other places. You mentioned Bozeman. There's others. There's Colorado Springs. There's Boise. There's a uh, Spokane, places like that. That's where people are going to move, and when they move there, they take their business with it. And any real surprise airports you want to share with me? Well, yeah, I, I think we're we're looking at like Boise being one, no question. The quality of life there is incredible. It's geometric, ge- geographic location is. If you're in Boise, there's not a lot of the airports to use, and they've got great air service, so they capture everything they generate. That's that. That's one. Colorado Springs is another one. Massive. That's one of the fastest growing airports. And again, like I said two years, a year and a half ago, Southwest told us no way we're going to come there. Well, guess what? There's 13 flights a day and they're adding. And so are other airlines because quality of life is incredible in the Colorado corridor. So we're going to see more and more of that. And again, like I said, the mid-Atlantic states, um, you're not going to see much growth. And the re- main reason is quality of life.
2: Wow. So your crystal ball is if you're airline scheduling,
3: you're re- you're relocating your assets. No, a- Absolutely. The 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 real growth is going to be in the in the southeast, the deep the deep south, and in the Rocky Mountain region. And other areas are going to be there. But where you're going to see some real pullbacks? You mentioned Iceland, That whole region's fine. But we're not going to see a whole lot of growth. We may see transfer of traffic where people in oh let's just say you know uh, western if you want to call it that western Nassau County of Garden City that area they might strive, start driving more to Iceland. But it's not necessarily net new traffic.
2: Although if you take a look at the route networks out of Iceland, they're not doing a lot of east-west travel, they're doing north-south, they're doing, you know, Tampa, Orlando, West Palm, but not Las Vegas, not LA, not
3: not even Chicago. Well, that's another point. It's it's, it's not a, a major gateway to the to the to the to the nation. It's a leisure gateway, but if someone wants to get like I said, let's just say to, to Tucson or Spokane, they're not flying out of Iceland. They they're again on there on the LIE or the northern state getting to LaGuardia. And by the way, I understand they've done magic with my favorite airport in America, which is LaGuardia. You know, I almost grew up there. My father's office was there. My first job was there. So I do not brook anybody beating up LaGuardia Airport. And I'm biased.
2: Well, listen, they've done a great job uh, of, of modernizing the airport. The terminals are gleaming. They're clean. They're beautiful. One small problem the walk from the counter to the gate. It's like thirty minutes. It's wild.
3: I have not been there because, you know, they've torn down a lot of things that were very, very, very close to me, like my father's old office in American and whatnot. But uh, LaGuardia to me is, you know, people badmouth LaGuardia before since, you know, hey, you know why LaGuardia back in nineteen thirty-nine was what the whole world looked at. That's true. That's true, and and I think they're going
2: to retain two of the three old LaGuardia hangars as as, uh, as historic as historic monuments. I hope they do. Uh, of course, you have the you have the old Marine Air terminal there where the old Pan Am Clippers used to fly on the water. Uh, now that's uh, I think it's Spirit and JetBlue is over there for the moment, and they also may move. But the bottom line is when Joe Biden called LaGuardia Airport. Uh, A a third world airport. He was insulting a lot of third world airports at that time because LaGuardia really was in trouble. Now, if they can just figure out how the guys who designed the the, the airport can get people from the counter to the gate, then it's a home run. It really is.
3: It's magic. I mean, to do what they did is magic because the place is about the size of a Midwestern shopping center and look what they've done. It's incredible.
2: (laughs) You're right. Uh, With about the same amount of retail there these days. My thanks to Michael. It's a magazine I've been reading almost all my life, and it's almost hard to believe that Travel and Leisure celebrates its 50th birthday this year, and what a perfect and pivotal time to talk about the magazine, the stories it's covered, and the places it's taken us, with Editor-in-Chief Jackie Gifford.
4: Can you believe travel leisure is 50? I I just know it's such a big anniversary for us. We're just so thrilled.
2: Well, you know, I go back to the days of Kasky Sinet and Nancy Novograd and your predecessors. And it was and still is a, a magazine that I read cover to cover. Uh, not because I'm a journalist, but because I'm a traveler.
4: Oh, that makes me so happy! Yeah, I um, I gathered together one thing that was really amazing for this big issue. Is I I gathered all the the former editor in chiefs over Zoom, believe it or not, to talk about to talk about their time uh, running you know running this brand. We've had six editor in chiefs. You mentioned Cassie, who who passed away a little bit ago, and and the others are are, uh, are still live. And I was able to talk to Pamela Fiore, Isla Sanger, Nancy Novograd, and Nathan Lump. And what was really moving to me was just hearing them share their stories about the ebbs. I call it the ebbs and flows of travel and just how there are the, these really high highs and sometimes these really low lows. Like after 9 11, when Nancy was editor in chief and she and her team had to scramble to come up with an issue that felt relevant and smart for the times. And I lived through that myself with COVID 19 and coming up with an issue that felt meaningful and also not tone deaf. And so we talked through these things and it was really it was really great to just share stories. And then overall, we all just felt optimistic about travel and just so thrilled that we were able to have, have these jobs.
2: Well, talking to the former travel and leisure editors-in-chief about the turning points in travel, you know, we, we already know some of them, right? 9-11, the economic debacle in 2008 and 9, even the volcano exploding in Iceland in 2010. And of course, COVID-19. But their experience, you know, predates that. Are there any similarities in how the industry responded or where it went after
4: that? That's a great question. I would say that there's always a period of uncertainty and, and, you know, that right after the event, right? And people, you know, they don't know what to do. There's this moment of panic. And then I would say the similarities, the through line that I that I found in talking to all the editors is that you just have to double down on what you do best and, and understand that fundamentally people want to be around other people and try travel again and so that unshakable faith I think gets people through the downtimes because you just know that that you'll come out of it that that fundamentally moving around the world and seeing other cultures is just that's just the history of humanity right I mean that's just what we do and it's never going to change and so that's I think what what uh, whether it was you know you know Pamela mentioned to me several times but in the 70s you know terrorist attacks on planes hijacking things like that that was just that was part that was out there and people were nervous and, and then we had the Gulf War in the 90s and 9/11 all these big these big events that really transformed travel and people were scared and then they started to get out there again and I think what we're seeing this summer certainly is that people are, are traveling and last summer it was you know even last summer people were traveling and, and now in, in some ways you know the airlines are, are, are finally this quarter some of them are profitable and we're seeing you know 2019 levels in terms of demand at, 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 uh, at the airports and, and now at some properties they're even exceeding 2019 levels. That wasn't even fathomable six months ago. So I think, the, the, again, the one fundamental through line is that people want to travel. They want to, to be around other people. They want to experience other cultures. And so when there are these dips, you just have to hold on to that hope and you know that better times are ahead.
2: All right, so let's let's keep with this theme of how we respond, how we pivot. I'm one of those people who always argues that we don't just want to travel. We need to travel. It's part of our cultural DNA. So just giving the opportunity is when we jump all over the place, which is what we're doing now.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of who we are as, as human beings, as people. We crave we crave learning and growth. And I think that I've I myself I actually just got back from a trip to Kenya for two weeks. I went with a company called War Africa, and we, we stayed at multiple lodges, Angamamara um, and the Maasai Mara National Reserve, Sinchatins and in Savo West, and, and Lake and and Cotters Camp. We we stayed at these four different places because they were all they all offered a different experience. And I brought my son and was Africa was traveling to Africa a little scary during this time? Sure. But the minute I set foot on the plane and, and the doors closed and I was off and ready to go, it just felt like, okay, I can do this. And <laughs> I was impressed by everything on the ground in terms of protocols, how safe we felt. And and ultimately, I think that that, that it, the trip reminded me of why, why I do this and why I do this for a living, why you do this for a living. And I actually felt like I came back restored because I was able to switch off for a little bit and really open my eyes in a way that I don't know if I... The, I wouldn't have tried traveled the same way in 2019 I probably would have felt a little bit more rushed and I I really just sort of savored the whole experience.
1: If you travel for work you know to pack two suits business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles business Amex card buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park.
0: Yellowstone check.
1: Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply, visit go.amic slash you know business.
2: Listen, I go back to the days of holiday magazine. So it's That's a uh, great
4: magazine. Oh Peter, that was a great magazine, wasn't it?
2: it really was it really was but now let's let's move forward here for a second because you know you you've got your ear to the ground you mentioned you went to kenya so many people now are making their travel decisions based on a bucket list that wasn't around last year or the year before they're basing their decisions based on how far away they can go how free they can be when they be there can they breathe is the social distancing baked into the destination i'm assuming you're seeing the same thing
4: we are. The the thing that, that nobody could have predicted, I think, is sort of the, well, first of all, I think what we're seeing in the United States, the demand for hotels is just off the charts right now. Uh, people want to go to resorts and be at the beach, be with their family. The multi-generational travel trend is is booming right now because families are separated so long, so, for so long. So whether it's, you know, a place like Newport, Rhode Island, or or Palm Beach or the coast of California, there are there's this demand for, for vacation rentals, villas, homes. People are booking suites and they're staying longer in, in some of these hotels than, than they ever have before. And then on the, the flip side, you know, an interesting thing, I, I, you know, I live here in New York City and some of our city hotels are, are doing just fine. And, and, you know, we've got properties, uh, properties are bouncing back here. Not all of them, but some of them are. And I think that's in part because people want to go out and experience fine dining and restaurants because they were deprived of that experience for so long. So I'll say this. I think that the, the, there's some tweaks to the behavior, right? People want to know that when they check into a property that there's, there's, there's safety measures in place. So a lot of that back of the house stuff that, hotels used to do, whether it was extra cleaning or, you know, learning about air filtration in hotels, whoever thought that that would be something that hotels would have to explain, but they're doing it. The airlines have done a, a good job of, of that as well. So some of these things, you know, were were already in place and they're just, being, they're just being pushed up to the front of traveler's mind. And then in some instances, hotels have come up with entirely new concepts. I mean, I stayed at the Chandler in Newport, Rhode Island uh, over the, the spring, and what was fascinating... They created these whole beautiful yurts where people could dine outdoors, you know, during um, during the winter and 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 have great meals and and be outside. And this is not, and they've decorated them beautifully. I saw many restaurants do that in Manhattan, and they've added a bit of fun and whimsy. And of course, the safety measures are in place, and people feel great about doing outdoor dining. So I think. I think it's it sparked a really tremendous moment for creativity in the hospitality industry, and there are definite challenges. I don't want to be Pollyanna about it because we're seeing labor shortages at hotels. We're seeing labor shortages, you know, at restaurants. It's hard to get. It's hard for people to to hire people back right now, um, and and there's a lot of reasons why that is. And I think that ultimately, though, and we're seeing it even too with the airlines, right? Customer service. Lines or um, to call to call and and you want to get a hold of somebody on the phone to help with your flight. Like good luck right now. It's really hard, but I will. Well, I got
2: I got one for you. I got one for you. Okay. Delta <laughs> Airlines. I did I, I did I did this as a test, and it gets me so angry because it's not just Delta. It's United and it's American. And what it is, you call up the the reservations number, and of course they're all busy. They can't take your call, and they go please hold, and then they say. At the end of the call, please stay on the line for a two-minute survey on our service. Well, the end of the call doesn't happen for in my in my last wait for Delta Airlines, I just put them on the speakerphone just to see how long it would take. Three hours and ten minutes. Okay, and 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 so basically, here's my two-minute survey for them. You can't be serious. That's it. That's it. Because you, I mean, what else do they want me to tell them? that I'm not going to spend another two minutes on the phone after three hours and ten minutes to tell them how great they're doing, because they're not.
4: Yeah, I I would say this having flown several times during this experience, and I've flown when the airports were basically empty, and I've flown when they've been packed to the gills now with people, I think that if you're going out and certainly flying domestically right now. I, I, long gone are the days when you, look, you would see those pictures of airports and they were completely <laughs> devoid of people, right? So your experience that you had, which is an, unfortunate, this is an experience that multiple people are having right now. And I think the, the thing that, that, uh, that people don't expect, they just, I think people have these visuals in their mind of empty airports and that's just not the case anymore. So you've got to go and understand that you know, the, the the lines are gonna be long. It's not like you're gonna breathe through security anymore. Multiple, you know, uh, some airports, not everything is still open yet, whether it's restaurants or, or shops or things, um, But but, you know, people are going expecting them to be. And then the other part of it is, you know, when you're actually flying, I think some people, because they're losing their patience, the experience can feel a little unpleasant. That said, I think that I think that this is going to get ironed out, and I would imagine it's going to be ironed out within the next
1: year.
2: My thanks to Jackie. When it comes to the word safari, one name is at the front, Jeffrey Kent. He's the penultimate luxury tour operator in Africa and just about all other parts of the world as well. And now, as travel comes roaring back, Jeffrey gives us his insight on the hot spots, not to mention travel safety. Obviously, the pandemic shutting down so much of the world. And in fact, so much of what Abercrombie and Kent was doing, especially in countries like Africa, uh, where, of course, uh, your your name first surfaced in the, and of course, your book by the same title, Safari, about exploring that continent. Uh, We're we're looking at uh, a continent even today where the vaccination rates are under 7%, not very helpful there. And yet, the impact of the pandemic during the pandemic uh, in Africa, in terms of tourism, in terms of economics, in, per, in terms of people being able to put food on the table, uh, you know, the, the rangers, the, 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 the tour guides, the safari operators. I mean, it's it's been a very devastating time.
5: I mean, I can't disagree with you. It has. And unfortunately, even right now, you've got South Africa and Botswana in the red zone, Kenya and Amber, you know, and the problem is, if you, if you go there and somebody catches COVID, then you've got to go into quarantine so i think you know well everybody wants to go to africa indeed once you get there it's the best place to be isolated camps lots of adventure outdoors it'll take off but in the meantime it's difficult luckily for coming Kent you know we're very big in europe and it's actually our largest destination believe it or not and so uh, you know beginning to boom boom there but the fact is everybody wants to travel everybody calls me can we go where can we go what can we do where's next and so this huge plethora of, of desire, and we just got to fulfill it as we move along. But you know, I was once a polo player, and one thing I learned playing polo: you have to be nimble and very, very fast. So we, that's how we are now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's let's start with with Africa, then move over to, over to Europe. Obviously, things are getting better slowly in Africa. Uh, you've resumed your operations there, of course. Uh, I would think at this point. Since social distancing is almost baked into the African experience, it's a great time to be on a safari now.
5: Well, I mean, I leave myself in three weeks' time. I'm off taking the whole family, uh, basically, to Malindi, the beach. And then we're going to with Maasai Mara to our lovely camp, Olanana. I'm trying to get space in the Jeffrey Kent suite. But luckily, <laughs> it's so popular that I throw somebody out. It's a difficult one. So I think I'll just be a normal guy in Olanana and not have a suite. But yeah. We'll be back there, going up north going <clears throat> helicopters up in Lakeyia area, and I cannot wait to get back. And you know, when you get there, it's all very calm. So a lot of this is made up, a lot of it's media related, and one has to keep calm. That's why I said, you know, I'll give myself and really try and get to grips with everything.
2: When you say it's it's sort of made up and media related, of course, that you're you're talking about guys like me. So we have to be careful here. In what way do you say it's 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 uh, it's made up and media related? I have to I have to ask.
5: Well, I think it's all being. <laughs> Peter, you're the great exception. You're the great traveler. But a lot of people haven't traveled and especially the UK news is always on about how many extra COVID cases is it 50,000, 100,000 is it going to triple, quadruple in the next month and uh, we have another another you know big big case um, is it safe, you know the hospitals and it goes on and on and on. You know and I'm, I'm, as long as this takes sense of use people do get very concerned.
2: I know there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between policy and actual, you know, actual manifestation. But I'm assuming that now that it's coming back, the real question is, how is it coming back? And how is it expressing itself? So for example, in the US, every plane is full, airfares are going up at about 10% a week, and that's compounded. Hotel rates are up 36%. Rental car rates are up 86%. Uh, Are you seeing that in your business as well?
5: Oh, absolutely. I think what's going to happen, Peter, is using the whole pod technique, you know, so that Americans are allowed to come to Europe. They can go to Iceland. They can, so they're almost coming like a one-stop stay. So they can take a beautiful villa in Italy, <clears throat> indeed in southern France. They can go to ice. They can go take a yacht in, in, in Greece, cruise the Greek islands. <clears throat> so you can do that. Equally so, you know, I'm launching an expedition to the Coco's Islands of Costa Rica in January. You know, it's a submarine on board a ship with a with a super yacht alongside. But that's one destination. They that you know you can do. It's, it's when you have cross borders. You know, one, two, three. That becomes a problem because then you've got to kind of take a COVID test before you leave. COVID test when you arrive. It becomes more complicated. So in the luxury
2: travel market, my guess is that all this money's been sitting on the sidelines for 15 months, burning a hole in everybody's pocket, and people just can't wait to go. And they're not as price sensitive as they used to be. I mean, if you, for example, if you wanted to fly a personal jet uh, or, or fly privately to Maui, uh, you could, but the problem is there's no place to park the jet. The, the, the airport doesn't have any space anymore for the private jets i'm assuming that in in some of the uh the usual suspect destinations whether it's saint bart's or or not far from where you are of course in monaco you have a similar situation
5: well you do but you know luckily abercrombie can we're mainly adventure adventure based so we luckily we don't have that situation so anybody who doesn't want to get bored in st bart's would like a like a big adventure we can do that you know you know we still got a lot of people coming to egypt Egypt's very busy, ships are full. Um, Kenya's still very busy, very busy. Um all right, let's let's talk let's
2: let's talk about Egypt for a second. Because I remember being in Egypt before the pandemic where you had you not you, but the Egyptians had about forty four boats that normally would be on the Nile down in Luxor and they were operating maybe four of them. Then of course you had the pandemic. Now we're coming out of the pandemic. Are you saying that the the boats are back all operating?
5: Yeah, I mean, our boats are back fairly busy, not the full fleet. But I mean, certainly we've got two boats operating full. Arma Arma was over with us last weekend. You remember Arma, he took you on a big trip in Egypt once. He did. Yeah, business coming back, especially from the Gulf States. Remember, you know, Americans are not the only travelers. We have very rich uh, Middle Eastern families who travel, can't wait to get out. They've been in lockdown too. And so it's an international market. What about the rich Swiss? They want to get out. And so there's a big international market here. But as you say, (coughs) quite a lot is shut down. You know, India, um, you know, I wouldn't go to India right now. Um, Australia is locked down. So that's a problem. So we're operating where we can. And where we can, there is a huge demand. Yeah.
2: So where is it that, uh, are you actually in a situation where you're oversold at this point?
5: No, no. You'll never see me oversell. You know that. (laughs) Uh, I'll build a boat rather than turn a booking down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'll hold you to that when, next time I need a boat okay. uh, but yeah. the thing is if you take a look at where everybody is going are they going based on a bucket list of where they've always wanted to go or now they just say get me anywhere I'll go anywhere
5: no, they want to go they want to get me anywhere as long as it's safe this is a big thing is it safe and do we get home you know and will you are you always on the end of a phone to call if there's a problem and I said yes or, or our staff are anyhow I, I always am, but at least that's the one thing that concerns them. They don't want to travel and arrive in the place where their families and for whatever reason can't return home.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's really, I've, I've said this all along. It's not what people are talking about. It's what they're thinking about. And it's exactly that, Jeffrey, that they want to go, but they don't want to get stuck. Um, and, yes, and and so what do you tell them? I mean, is it about insurance? Is, is it about uh, you know getting the proper kind of insurance? Because as you may know, during the, the pandemic, so many travelers dis- discovered that the insurance that they purchased was essentially worthless because there was a clause in the policy that said, we don't cover for pandemic. So as a, as a travel provider, what what kind of assurances are you giving your clients that they are going to be protected?
5: Well, the first assurance is, Peter, that I've been doing this since April 1962, all right? Uh, which is quite a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and our brand has had many experiences, as you well know, around the world with, with incidences. All right? And we've always delivered. We personally deliver. We will get them out. You don't need insurance if there's a problem. We will fly them out, get them out. And we're always on the phone. And as you know, we own our ground operating company. All other travel companies have to send their clients to agents, to ground operators, which they don't own. We own all of ours. So it's within the family. You know, we literally cover what I call the last mile of every trip. So it's really our personal guarantee. We said, no, as things are today, and for when you'll travel, we will get you out. And and we can. So it's basically, this is where the brand comes in. I think, you know, everyone said, oh, you have a great brand. So what good's a brand? if it doesn't behove you in some way. Where is
2: right now the hottest spot that you're going, the one that's the most popular?
5: I think the hottest spot is individual tailor-made travel. Like yesterday, I booked a, a group of New Yorkers taking their, their G5, and they're going to do, in in December, everyone's booking line about October, November, December. They're going to do Patagonia. They're going to go to South America. They're going to do Atacama, all those wondrous places. So South America is is becoming very, very popular. Why? It's near. There's no jet lag, no big time ref. And they feel it is close. So I think South America will really take off with the adventure side. Europe has gone bananas, very few villas are left. You know, people will like villas for the summer, hardly any of those left. They're pretty well sold out. Um, Europe will continue, and hopefully by December, Botswana is back. Africa's back. Antarctic, I think, is going to be fine. We hope. We're still praying for that. It's looking good so far. So, you know, expedition cruising starts taking place again. The problem is, Peter, everything changes. You and I having this talk today, everything we're saying now could be changed. We don't know.
2: Well, the metrics, I think, have changed from the focus on the vaccination level at the destination to the vaccination level of the people who want to go to that destination, which is why the European Union opened up to vaccinated Americans. And, uh, but at the same time, we still have... Other countries that are closed, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand. Should we write them off for the rest of this year?
5: I think you have to write everything off for about, you know, the bad one, like for three months, two to three months until you can see, right? But it could all clear. You never know. I mean, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, 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 it's really hard to forecast. And you, you know, the key thing is give people what they want. What do they want? They want a dedicated talk counselor with a huge amount of knowledge to guide them, to tell them where they're going, and above all, to advise them when they have to have COVID shots, fill out their locator form so that that's all done for them, right? It's very complicated. I don't know if you've been traveling to Europe. I mean, you've got to have the vaccination form, you've got to have the COVID test, and then you've got to have a locator form, and then they call you all day long, you know? And so all that has to be answered by somebody. And so people want with a hand to hold, and you know, at Abercrombie County, we've been doing that for a hundred years almost. <laughs> um, but so uh, uh, that's that's where it is. But it's going to be people will want private travel. They must talk to somebody. They're not just. I don't see huge people rushing. You know, like you may buy your groceries online. I don't know. I don't see many people, but um, high-end travel booking it online. I think they want to know somebody and get their money back. Who, who's going to be doing? No they they want they want to have a conversation. They want to have a conversation.
2: And that's really what we learned in the pandemic that people who booked online couldn't have a conversation. They're still waiting for their money back. Uh the travel advisors and the travel agents really did a stellar job of advocating for passengers and for travelers and uh they're the ones who stayed in the conversation. Otherwise people just got literally lost in the shuffle. Now you talk Jeffrey about, you know, doing very specific destinations where you're not crossing a lot of borders and yet one of the things that you're known for is your private jet tour that goes to many different destinations. Are you still going to operate that?
5: Well, it's a very, um, <laughs> I'm leaning back in my seat. That's a sort of well-aimed arrow. Actually, I'm having a big conference call on that immediately after we finished it. I, so I can't give you a direct answer, um, but it's complicated. And, you know, if we can't guarantee it, I doubt we'll I doubt we're running, but we don't know yet. I'll have this, having a conference call in an hour's time, and then we'll know a lot more. But, you know, maybe we should be doing more sort of eight-day trips, you know, go to one, as I said before, an eight-day trip to uh, Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. So it's all in one place, which you could limit. Um, But I think going around the world, the problem is going to be landing of the planes. say Say that one person gets covid i just been reading about the cruise ship industry right say that one person gets COVID, get covid on a plane what happens you have to stop right is and you got to get them one so it's it's you know i mean i think that this year we'll see we'll see as you sit back in your seat
2: what's the one overriding lesson jeffrey that you've learned during the pandemic about how to move forward now
5: cash 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 that's a, that's the one that's the one abiding thing you got to have a lot of cash is king right no debt, lots of cash. And so luckily we have that. And that's been very, very helpful.
2: I mean, in your case, you, you had the reserves to, to withstand the storm, if you will. But for so many other companies, they didn't. And uh, not only did they go out of business, but they, uh, in many cases, didn't refund the money to their, to their
5: customers. And That's terrible. I mean that's the worst thing you could have because basically customers out all the money and yeah then the companies go bankrupt. It's really, really bad.
2: Moving forward, let's let's look ahead. Let's let's crystal ball this three or four months ahead. So we're now at the beginning of the next year. Let's crystal ball this, Jeffrey. By twenty twenty two, is travel really going to be back?
5: I believe by the second quarter it'll it'll be back very firm and strong. By that time, we should be over all the incidences you and I have just been discussing. And you know I'm very, very hopeful. Maybe first quarter, 22, but certainly second quarter. 2Q, uh, 22 should be back.
2: And is there a destination now that you're not going to that is going to be the new hot destination predicted by you for 2022?
5: Well, wow, that's a good one. You know, I think, I think they sort of go down to our inspiring expeditions. So There's something I can control. It's just a short movement of people. And we're going to do an amazing one to the UK. We're going to go to all the castles. We have great friends of mine around UK and Scotland. You know, by helicopters meeting all the hosts who are all friends of mine and so I think that's going to be an amazing trip fine wine, dining and I think you know I think that'll be very exciting for instance just one, one, just one thing so we may take known destinations to which we can go and then have some unusual unusual itinerary within
2: my thanks to Jeffrey to Michael Boyd and to Jackie Gifford and my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel and answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to PeterGreenberg.com.
0: Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at ClearMe.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide.
2: Hey, Prime members, Peter Greenberg here. You can listen to Ion Travel ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. And you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com.
1: Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News Business Analyst, Certified Financial Planner, and host of the Money Watch Podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you